Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we say thank you for righteousness. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for freedom, Papa. Thank you, Lord, for power and wisdom and grace, Lord, to walk in your ways. Lord, teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Guide us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I was um, reading the newspaper this morning, and it's an interesting little article in there. It says, it said the, um, it caught my attention, and we like to eat breakfast and talk about whatever we're looking at in the paper with each other. And it, it caught my attention. There was a little article there that said, the mayor of Rome has banned Dolce Vita. I thought, what? <laughs> and as I read the article, it was about how the Romans were getting sick and tired of people uh, swimming in their fountains and defacing their monuments and being silly in Rome. And so they were saying, no, nope, we're not doing it anymore. Dolce Vita, I believe in, in Italian, sweet life, or the pursuit of pleasure without heed to anything. So the heedless pursuit of pleasure. I wanna talk a little bit about that and how it relates to us in the lifestyle of righteousness. You see, the whole concept of hedonism, which is the heedless pursuit of pleasure, is something that a lot of people unconsciously un, un, uh, start to absorb because it's such a major value of society. I have um, a love for poetry. My father gave me his poetry book uh, that he had when he was at school. And Emily and I, we love poetry. And, uh, but it fascinates me because it gives me an insight into how people think, as well as the marvelous way they paint with their words. We were walking today, we went for an early morning walk, and um, Emily and I and, and Flora, we went for a walk. Welcome home, Flora. And uh, we were, we were uh, memorizing the man from Snowy River, which was fun. But then as I was preparing my message, I was thinking back to another verse that was in my dad's little poetry book, and there's just a verse by Thomas Mordaunt that's very famous. Sound, sound the clarion, fill the, pipe, fill the fife, to all the sensual world proclaim, one crowded hour of glorious life is worth an age, with, and, and worth an age without a name. And you know, it sounds wonderful, oh yeah. Doesn't matter, just live life. But it was written in, uh, in light of a whole lot of soldiers who were going off to war and expecting to die. And the idea of a crowded hour of glorious life being worth an age without a name is actually a deception. Because if it were true that uh, just living and going for it with all the sensual pleasures that you could imagine, brought happiness, then the celebrities and people who lived lavish lifestyles, sparing themselves nothing, would be the happiest people on the earth. 
But sadly, they're not. In fact, very often they're struggling with drugs or alcohol or suicide, marriage breakups. Because the pursuit of happiness when it comes to sensual pleasure and, and just living life without heed to the consequences doesn't bring supernatural peace or joy. True happiness, true joy cannot be found in trying to indulge yourself, but can only be found when the one who is peace and joy is living on the inside of us. They say that happiness is an inside job. And a bit hard to do that though if you've got no happiness inside in the first place. You see, joy is a fruit of the spirit and it is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you receive Christ, you come into the kingdom and that's where you find righteousness, peace, and joy. And in understanding our righteousness, we can have true peace. You could be pursuing a life of heedless pleasure and indulging in everything that you can think of, but it doesn't give you peace. And without peace, there is no capacity to have true joy. Because righteousness gives us peace, Peace allows us to experience the fullness of joy without the fear and the dread of something bad happening and something going wrong. And I think that relates very much to this passage that we've been looking at in 2 Peter. If you want to turn there with me, 2 Peter chapter 1, I love it so much. And... Um, I like to read it in lots of different translations, but today I'm looking at it in the Passion Translation. And it's beautiful. We could start at verse two. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. There's a prayer you can actually take and declare and pray. It's an apostolic prayer any prayers that you find in the Bible, you can absolutely pray them, personalize them, and know 100% it's the will of God for your life. And anything you know is the will of God, you can have absolute confidence you'll receive. So it's like, wow, there's an invitation waiting for your response. So Father, may grace and perfect peace cascade over me as I live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, hallelujah. You know, as you, as you read it in different translations, the heart of the Father is that we would recognize that perfect peace is linked and absolutely entwined with knowing him intimately. You see, you can't have faith in somebody you don't know. God doesn't ask you to trust him when you don't know him. So he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him intimately on a daily basis so that every word he speaks, you read as one, as words that you're hearing from someone you know personally. He said it, not a concept, but Jesus my God, the Father, he has spoken this and I trust him because I know him. I have relationship with him. We, we interact, hallelujah. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Yeah. 
Hooray! There's another declaration. Thank you, God. Everything I need for life and godliness has already been deposited in me. Hooray. Hooray. It's all here. Do we understand that? Everything we need for life and godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is being like God, as in manifesting all his virtues, manifesting his character, manifesting his power, his wisdom, his nature, everything that you need to be as he is in this earth has already been given to you. Hooray, I have access to all of that. For all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who's called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he's given you magnificent promises, as if it weren't enough, that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. By which you've escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So, devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness, and to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters, and and to mercy toward others add unending love. Now, sometimes we look at these, this passage and we think, okay, I've got to try hard, I've got to work harder, I've got to get more godly, I've got to get more patient, I've got to get more loving, all right? And then we sometimes even look at it like a ladder, as though, all right, I've got faith, now I'm going to go after understanding and self-control and patient endurance. But that would be an absolute contradiction to what it just said in the previous verses, because it's already said that we have it all already. So why is he telling us to make every effort to add to our faith? I I believe what he is saying is that we have all these magnificent virtues available to us. He's already said that. So having all of this glorious goodness being given to us, he wants us now to make every effort to make full use of it. For example, I have a piano, and um, Tom bought me a piano years and years ago, and I love it. I enjoy to sit down and play every now and then, and just, it's a joy for me. But if I don't play the piano, I still own the piano, it's still there, it has the capacity to make amazing music, but if I don't actually sit down and play it, I don't get the benefit of it. I love the way um, Pastor Mark brought out in his book, Awake to Righteousness. Um, he, he talks about sanctification being 2P sanctification. Perfect and practiced. So it's not just theologically, yeah, I got that, but practiced, as in put into practice, as in play the piano as in use what you've been given. And this is something that as we discover what we have, we become full of joy in wanting to see it manifested in all its fullness in every area of our lives. It's fascinating to me um, as we look at it. I mean, if I go to the piano and I 
I play an A. And then I add to that A a C, and I put the sustain pedal down, I add a, an E, and a G, and a B, and a D. Get a really luscious chord. And when you put it all together, oh, that's a lovely chord right there. Delicious, yeah. But, you know, when we look at the scripture, sometimes we think, if only I had a C. I'm gonna get a C one day. One day I'll have a C. No, it's already there. You, you just have to practice it. You just have to put it into practice. You just have to play it. And God has created every one of us with a harp in our hearts. Hallelujah. And he is longing for your heart to start singing in the very nature it was created to make. Hallelujah. In the very sound that you were created to give off. He says here, um, since these virtues are already planted deep within, so again, if you had this idea, I'm still, I've got to go after it and find it and get it and somehow I don't have it yet, that's a wrong interpretation. He says, because you already have these virtues planted deep within you and possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of Jesus Christ, of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. Other versions say he is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his past sin. You know, the, the heedless pursuit of pleasure is actually short-sightedness. It's, it's thinking, I'll do this now because I'm not gonna think about the future, I'm not gonna think about the consequences, I just give it to me now. But the reality is when we realize, hey, God doesn't want us to live short-sighted, hedonistic lives, but actually realize that every time we make a choice for righteousness, what God has for us is so far superior to what the enemy might wanna offer that, that it is not even worth exploring heedless hedonism. Every temptation that's come out, that comes our way is a short-sighted truncation of something far better that God wants to give us. The enemy offered Jesus, come on, let's just turn these stones into bread. You're hungry now, now. Just, you deserve it, now. Just do it now. And Jesus is like, no. And God's plan, his plan was so much better. In the very area the enemy was planning, was offering him a shortcut, a short-sighted, immediate satiation of a desire, God's plan was actually to turn Jesus himself into bread that would feed thousands. He was gonna multiply bread, and in just a few short hours, the angels were gonna come and minister to him, and I mean, it was gonna be glorious. But the consequences of, of heeding a short-sighted, short-term self-indulgence would have been devastating. See, dolce vita, or 
one crowded hour of glorious life is worth an age without a name, is actually a deception that's designed to bring you into death. It's designed to steal, kill, and destroy, dressed up as though it's gonna be sweet and wonderful, but in reality, it's gonna lead to death. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. But God's desire is not to, to make you miss out on anything good, but to give you way beyond what you could ask, hope, or imagine. He came to give us life and life more abundance. Hallelujah. What he offers isn't a, a, a miserable life of, of missing out, but he's asking you, hey, don't be short-sighted, but look to me because I have the keys of the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I will bring you into a place of joy beyond what you could ever possibly imagine. And it's not just a theoretical thing that you'll have one day, but now, in this worth, in this life, God wants to give you life, and life more abundant, that's not tainted by shame or guilt or condemnation, but is filled with a joy that knows, thank you, God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and I have the capacity today to be a blessing beyond my wildest imagination. Hallelujah. Then he goes on. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. As a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Then he goes on to say, I won't hesitate to continually remind you of these truths, even though you are aware of them and are well established in the present measure of truth you've already embraced. And as long as I live, I'll continue to awaken you with this reminder since the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has clearly revealed that my departure is near. Indeed, I'm passionate to share these things with you so that you will always remember them after my exodus from this life. Otherwise, Peter's saying, I know I'm going to die soon, but it is my absolute number one priority to remind you of these things. Remind you of what? Remind you of that which you must not forget that is, to remind you of your innocence. He says, if anyone lacks these things, he's blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. If you aren't manifesting all the virtues of God in your everyday life all the time, consistently, it's not that you're missed out on something that you have to work hard to get, but that you've forgotten your innocence. God wants us to be a people who live intentionally from innocence every day. Hallelujah. What does living from innocence look like? It looks like a life where you don't ever have to stumble. You can sin if you want to, but if you do, you've bought into a short-sighted lie. And the way to avoid short-sightedness is through the knowledge of Him, through spending time with Him, 
knowing and trusting when he says, this way is better, my way is better, that you know he's not saying this so that I'm gonna miss out on something. He's saying this because he has the plan to work all things together for my good. His ways are wonderful. His ways are true and just and holy and they lead to joy and peace and life. Hallelujah. It's not a con that, hey, all right, I have to listen to God because, you know, that's the right thing to do. And, and God's there going, yeah, have a miserable life now so you can have a wonderful life later. It's a lie. That's not what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life and life more abundant. Hallelujah. And it might mean sometimes short-term pain for long-term gain, but anything, there is not anything you give up in this life that God doesn't replay 10, 20, 100 times over, hallelujah. He says if anyone gives up houses or whatever, in this life, God will make sure that you don't miss out in any way, shape or form. For your former shame, pain and disgrace, he'll give you double recompense. You can't lose when you put your faith in Jesus and you choose his ways. It's sometimes your, fla- your, 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 your desires go, but, but, but I'd really like to have bread right this minute. I, I have those struggles occasionally. But the truth is, for everything that you do, we can't be heedlessly thinking, well, there's no consequence. The reality is there is consequence. If I just go, yes, I want to eat that whole box of lint chocolate right now. (laughs) And I'll have it all because I deserve it. I need a me day. The reality is there are going to be physical things that happen in your body as a result of that choice. God's ways are better than our ways, hallelujah. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You know, I believe the heart of the Father in teaching us what it looks like to live from innocence is something that's so powerful for us. You see, true righteousness, peace and joy is an invitation for us to play from our hearts every day. He's telling these people, you are well-versed in this and you know it thoroughly, but I'm gonna make it my life mission to continually remind you. Why? Because the enemy is continually trying to convince you that this isn't really going to satisfy. And so the only way to walk a life of practiced righteousness is to be continually reminded of who you are. Continually reminded that you are called to live from innocence. You are cleansed, washed, free from your past sins. It means that if yesterday didn't go so well and you didn't do so well, and you lived a bit of a hedonistic life yesterday or today, that tomorrow doesn't have to be like that. 
that you are not defined by how you've behaved today, but you are defined by what he says. And as you come to him and say, okay, God, that was wrong. Thank you. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. I thank you today that I am not defined by my behavior, but today I am defined by the reality that I am forgiven, I am cleansed, I am unstained, and I am innocent. Because if I believe myself to be innocent and believe and remember that I have within me the capacity to manifest kindness, goodness, faith, uh, godliness, mercy, self-control, all of these are notes that are just ready to be played through my life today, then I am equipped, I'm alert, I'm not going to be easily deceived because I'm living in the light. In his light, we see light. So the heart of God is that we would continually, diligently take a hold of what he's got and live in the light, open our eyes to the light, listen to the light, feed on the light, eat of him and encourage one another, spurring one another on to remember their innocence, to remember you were created. For, for life and good deeds, hallelujah. You have within you the capacity today not to be a victim, not to be identified by your past failures, not to be identified by what people have said about you or even how you've behaved, but this is who you are today and if you will believe it and pick it up, you can be like Elisha who when he saw the mantle of Elijah fall, didn't just pick it up and walk away with it, but immediately, put it to use. You see, Elijah, he asked for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And he, he went after it and he saw Elijah go up and the mantle fell down and he picked it up. But he didn't go home and put it in the cupboard to tell his grand, grandchildren about the fact of that one day I saw that and I got this. I got the mantle of Elijah. Of Elijah. But you know what? We have seen Jesus lifted up, going, and he has given to us a double portion of his mantle. He said the same works that I do and greater works will they do. Bang, given to you. And these people were versed in this. They understood, yes, we've received the double portion of Christ himself. We've received the mantle of Christ. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness. But Peter was saying, I know you know this, but I'm going to continually remind you because knowing it theoretically is not enough. Having a revelation of righteousness is not enough. God needs us to pick it up and practice it. Hallelujah. So if Peter himself was saying, hey, with my dying breath, this is my major mission, we need to pay attention because he knew if he could get the saints living in the fullness of their innocence, living from innocence, recognizing and putting to use the magnificent gifts they've been given, 
they would be so fruitful that they would never stumble. They would be the light of the world and the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. He's an equipper of the saints to do the work of ministry and at the end of his life, his major passion was, I mean, I know he loved souls. I know he wanted to see people saved and I'm, I always, let's share the gospel. But he knew his most fruitful thing he could do in those final moments was to remind the saints of who they were because in remembering the truth of their identity, they would become so fruitful that God's glory would be revealed and so many more multitudes would be brought into the kingdom of God, amen? Through signs, wonders, miracles, and the nature, the power, the virtue of Jesus Christ himself, amen? Thank you, Papa. Amen, amen. It's a good book. I highly encourage you to read the whole thing. In fact, it gets very interesting at the end of the book. It's very exciting. End of First Second Peter. Good stuff. You know, we have so much stuff, don't we? I mean, I look around my house sometimes, I think, I've got so much stuff. But a lot of it I don't actually use. But if I used it, it'd probably be amazing. My computer can do so much stuff, but I use Word and email, pretty much. And I know how to use Google Chrome now, hallelujah. <laughs> but the reality is, I don't wanna live my Christian life subpar and get to heaven and realize the plans that God had for me were so far above any of this. God's delight, and I tell you now, we are in this, such a season of supernatural favor. Supernatural favor. Whatever you ask, you receive. It's in the book, First John, read it, really good. Ah, like, what? Yes, you if your heart doesn't condemn you, if you're living from innocence, if you're remembering, thank God, thank God, thank God I was delivered from me. Thank God I'm a new creation. Today I really will rejoice because I've got great reason to rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. I live from innocence today. Even if my heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. Hooray. Thank you, Jesus. That's happy news. If you're here and you know in your heart you haven't got relationship with God, God's desire is so much that you would know him and that you would receive this gift of eternal life. Nathaniel wears a t-shirt, no God, no peace, no God, no peace. And I love it because it's the absolute truth. Without God, there's no peace, but if you know him, you know peace himself, and you have it living on the inside of you. You have supernatural joy. You know you don't have to be afraid of dying because you know and have confidence that you have eternal life because you've received Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. Without true peace, 
without true mercy and forgiveness. The Bible says no one can see God and live. So he said that we now, by faith, can be crucified with him, raised up with him. It's no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. He gives us his life in exchange. The Bible says that light can't have fellowship with darkness. And then in him, there's no darkness at all. So we can't make ourselves pure and holy enough to be joined to God. So God gave Jesus to make us innocent. It doesn't seem fair because it's not fair by human standards. There's nothing earned about it. It's a grace we receive by faith, not of works, so we can't boast about it. But it takes humility to say, I need salvation. I do need, I, I'm not clean and I need to be clean. Everyone sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has done something in their lives that has disqualified them from being perfectly holy. But God comes and he takes everything about you that was crooked or stained and gives you perfect righteousness, gives you his innocence and eternal life. All it takes is for you to humble yourself and say, I need a savior. Come and be my Lord Jesus. I want eternal life today. If that's you, could you wave your hand at me? I would love to pray with you before we go on and pray for anybody else. Is anyone here today that says, yes, that's me? I wanna give my life to Christ today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, while we start to hand out our communion, I'm gonna ask um, Mark and Daniel, hallelujah, Meg, if you wanna come and help. And Chris, I see you there somewhere. Praise the Lord. Come on up and we're gonna pray for a few people. Praise the Lord. So Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.